This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the emergency episode of Clip and Roll. I'm your host, Justin Russo. This podcast is being brought to you by Bet Online, Indeed, and Blue Wire. As promised on the episode that went up earlier on Tuesday, Farbot is not with me today, but with me tonight is Garrett Corpenning from Sports Illustrated, the Clippers writer for Sports Illustrated. You might know him better as young Garrett, but I'm not going to call him that today. He is full-fledged man, adult Garrett. How's it going, buddy? Oh, I appreciate that intro. It's going really well. I'm doing really well tonight. How are you, Justin? I'm doing okay. You're three hours ahead of me, so I, I would imagine that you're more tired than any human being on Earth right now. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, man. Um, cool. For those who don't know, and if you're tuning in, I'm sure you do know, December 22nd, 2020 was opening night for the NBA. The uh, Brooklyn Nets beat up on the Golden State Warriors, but we're not here to talk about that. This is a Clippers podcast. And because it is a Clippers podcast, we will discuss what happened at Staples Center on ring night for the Los Angeles Lakers, which is that the Clippers beat them by seven points, 116-109. The Clippers were led by Paul George, who dropped a game-high 33 points on 13 of 18 shooting. Kawhi Leonard had 26 points on 10 of 26. Um, The third leading score, oddly enough, was Sergi Baca with 15 on only seven shots which I did not realize until I had to write my five takeaway article, actually how efficient he was. That was pretty crazy, right? Definitely, yeah. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from this game? Like, like before we get into the nuts and bolts of this game, what was your biggest takeaway? Now, to be fair to p- people who might not have realized this, the Clippers never trailed in this game. They led by as much as 22 in the first quarter. I think at one point it was like 39-17. They let go of the rope quite a bit in the second quarter, and it got within a point. And even in the third quarter, it was within a point for a majority of the time. And it just seemed like the two teams were just going to be engaged in this long battle of treading water and staying close enough to make this exciting ending. But then a late third quarter stretch happened for the Clippers where they surged away. Fourth quarter, they kept their distance. But what was your biggest takeaway from this game on opening night? 
Well, I think the big thing is Paul George. It's the most obvious takeaway right now, but also um, because there was so much attention put on put on him last in the playoffs with you know the whole pandemic P thing and the way he kind of disappeared uh, against the Nuggets. Um, the fact that he came out tonight and kind of silenced his critics by dropping 33 points, like you said, a very efficient shooting night, uh, going 13 of 18 overall and five of eight from three. Uh, also chipping in six rebounds and three assists. Um, I just loved the way he played. I thought he was very aggressive, very assertive. Um, I loved the way he attacked the rim uh, when he had the right matchups on him. Um, thought that he was fantastic from deep, like I said, five of eight from three. Um, really just the game we want to see from Paul George, where it's a high volume night from three, um, you know, very aggressive in the paint, like I mentioned, just an all around great game for PG. Um, definitely had his moments. There were a few turnovers, that sort of thing, but um, just great basketball. It's crazy when you look at his shot chart for the night. Uh, two of three in the restricted area, three of four in the paint, but not the restricted area. So combined five of seven, three of three in the mid range, five of eight from three, and all eight threes were above the break, um, which means not corners for people who don't know. Um, the man was just a killer. That third quarter stretch he has. So, like with under two, about two minutes to go in the third quarter, the Clippers are up. But they're only up by one after Dennis Schroeder goes to the free throw line. They're only up by one. Uh, Luke Kennard hits a little pull up, by the way, which was very nice. That was a, like that, Luke Kennard, a couple nice moves around the rim tonight. Um, Luke Kennard hits a shot to put them up by three. This is with two ten to go. In the final two minutes, Paul George goes layup with the foul and the free throw. So three points comes back down, hits a pull up right around the rim, hits a pull up that's five points comes down hits a pull-up three eight then hits a step back basically with like 20 seconds to go in the third quarter he scored 10 straight points and pushed the lead from three at the time to 11 this man went nuts and it's crazy because after the game in the in the post-game media you know all the talk was basically about paul george which deservedly shows uh so but it was interesting because they like Ty Lue basically admitted, like we told him at halftime, Hey man, just be more aggressive. Like you're passing people, which is great. Like you're getting people involved in the first half. That's awesome. Uh, just start looking for your shot and look for a shot. He did. And he just killed them. Yeah. I gotta say, I was a little underwhelmed in that first half. He had, I think three makes on six attempts. And one of the things I mentioned at halftime on Twitter was that I really want to see Paul George take more shots, you know, for someone like him taking six field goals in the first half on, uh, a night as big as this against a team as great as the Lakers, like you're going to need more from your second guy. Um, so the fact that he did come out and he was so aggressive and like you mentioned, scored those 10 straight points. Uh, I think it even became 12 as he entered the fourth quarter and picked up that, um, or that scoring streak as well. Um, but yeah, I Correct. Mean, yeah. So the fact that he was so aggressive, the fact that he kind of took the matters into his own hands, uh, especially when Kawhi did have a bit of an off night shooting um, to me was very impressive. I mean, you meant like Kawhi, like it's, it's very weird. Cause like the story of this game is Paul George. And then you look up and you see Kawhi Leonard had 26 points. I'm like, people really aren't talking about Paul George or I'm sorry, really aren't talking about Kawhi Leonard. And then you start looking, it's like, well, Kawhi was 10 of 26 and he was one of eight from three, five of five from the line, three assists, two rebounds, a couple steals. Like it was a very Kawhi night. Very, very meticulous uh, when I wrote about it tonight, I called it workmanlike. Like he, he looked very comfortable. 
Um, one of the one of the statistical oddities from this night for Kawhi Leonard was that he scored 13 points in each half on 13 shots in each half. He never took more than 13 in each half and never scored more than 13. It was exactly 13 across the board in both of them. And that's kind of weird, I guess, when you look into it. The other, I guess, statistical oddity when you look at first and second halves from him is he took exactly four threes in each half. It's a weird guy. He just, he just knows exactly how many shots he wants to take and does it. But look, there was a stretch, though, in that third quarter where Kawhi, like early in that third quarter, Kawhi was going off. Um, I want to say it was like for like a four-minute stretch where he just like, he like he hit like a turnaround. He had a pull-up. He had like another three-point uh, a three-point pull-up. And he hit something else, and I was just like, damn, like, all right, like he's here. You know, and then, I mean, that's all you needed. Paul George was the show tonight especially in the second half and all Kawhi Leonard had to do was hold his own and do what the team needed him to do. And he did it. There's going to be nights where the best player on your team isn't the best player on your team. So it was nice to have Paul George step up and it's just incredible. Yeah. I mean, the way you put it is best, like looking at the box score now and seeing how breakdown was by period, um, the Clippers, yeah, they, pulled out by 22 points in the first quarter and ended it by 20 or ended up being up by 20. Um, but I think, like you said, the third quarters of this game was one um, and it was kind of, you know, started and ended there by uh, individual runs from Kawhi and PG. Like you said, Kawhi started it off. I think he had um, what eight or 10 points in the first few minutes of that third quarter. And then PG ended it with the 10 of his own um, LA outs for the Lakers 33, uh, 24 in that third quarter and ended up losing the fourth by four. Uh, still hung on to win this game by seven. So, um, I think definitely the most significant, um, you know, plays of the game came in that third when they were able to separate themselves from the Lakers after they uh, tied the game around halfway through in that period. I mean, the other story from tonight, uh, if you really want to dig into it, is Vita Zubas played 26 minutes and 31 seconds. And you and I did, did some digging before going on air for this. Um, basically... It's the most regular season minutes he's played as a Clipper in a game that Montrez Harrell wasn't on the roster or wasn't active for the Clippers, I should say, since like, what, what do we find? It was like, um, like April 2019. Yeah. And that was like a, a last day of the regular season against Utah where he played uh, like almost 30 minutes or something. And it was an overtime game at Staples Center. I, re- I remember because I was there. And Grayson Allen went off for 40 points, which is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Um, But yeah, I mean, he ended up playing damn near 14 straight minutes in this game in the second half, which is incredible. It's the longest stretch he has spent on the floor for the Clippers in his career. And I understand everyone's going to throw up their hands and be like, why couldn't Doc Rivers have done this? That's in the past. I want to talk about the present. If Ty Lue recognizes that he can do this with the Vita Zubats, that opens up a whole other host of possibilities for this team. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny too, like looking at Doc and Ty Lue and the whole Ibiza Zubat situation. Uh, you know, Doc always started Zoo, but the reserve big Montrez Farrell always spent more time on the floor and what almost consistently spent at least 14, 15, 16 minutes straight on the court uh, near the end of the third quarter, meaning the fourth quarter. Um, and that was kind of similar tonight with, with Zoo and Serge Ibaka. Uh, Serge at the start, but ended up playing 20 minutes in this game. And like you just mentioned, Zoo got 26. 
Um, both were very impactful tonight. Like you said, um, Serge had 15 points, was right there behind uh, Paul George and Kawhi in scoring. Um, but Zoo had 11 points and six boards off the bench uh, and was a tied with Paul George, a game high plus 17, plus minus. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just incredible. Like you start looking at some of the stats uh, for, for the Clippers defensively in this game. Um, the Lakers in the paint were 19 of 36, which isn't great. Like, obviously, Ibaka and Zubats impacted things. Like, obviously, uh, there was one occurrence, I believe, early in the fourth, maybe late in the third, where Zubats blocked LeBron on a layup. Mm-hmm. And it's like, holy crap, this team has a rim protector for all 48 minutes. This is this is what life is like on a team that actually has a chance. It's just, it, it blew my mind. It blows my mind still that, like, this is allowed. <laughs> And Ibaka, I want to talk about Ibaka for a second. Um, you look at the box score, minus eight, but he had 15 points, six rebounds. Uh, he had a block. He passed the ball pretty well. I thought he, I thought he made a couple of really good reads. Um, five of seven from the field, two of three from three. That's Serge Ibaka, and that's all the Clippers need. Obviously, it would be nice if he makes 66% of his threes every night. That's not going to happen. But they need the Serge Ibaka who's impactful around the rim defensively and offensively and makes his threes. And they got that tonight. And I don't see anything offensively for the Clippers that could negate that from being something that occurs on the regular for them. Twenty twenty has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the United States are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore Total Visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day 
every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, listen, with Serge Ibaka, uh, you know, I'm sure you saw the NBA GM survey, and if, if listeners didn't, um, the Clippers acquisition, uh, acquisition of Ibaka, I think, was voted as the most underrated you know, transaction of the offseason. Um, and it, you can get into a whole discussion of whether you know, Serge Ibaka is a better player than Montrezl Harrell. Um, you can go either way with that. But when talking about fit and how the player like benefits a team, um, I think you nailed it right there when you said it most with um, the fact that you now have a legitimate rim protector uh, for all 48 minutes of the game with Serge Ibaka and Zubats. And then your the kind of, you know, sets you can run on offense really opens up with Ibaka and the rotation where you have, you know, a full five man unit that can go uh, on the perimeter and, and shoot that three ball. So, um, yeah, I think having Ibaka is great, man. I, I'm really excited to see how he meshes with this team that needs to um, promote the starters. What were your thoughts real quick on, I guess the way that they used him, were you fine with the way that they, cause like one of the more impressive parts of this game was in the first quarter, the Clippers only took one mid range shot in the entire first quarter. And it was an Abaka pull up out of pick and roll with Paul George uh, on the right side of the floor near the elbow. And I'm just like, if those are the mid-range shots the Clippers are getting, like, pack it up. This is great. I love it. Like, just pack this up forever. So what are your thoughts on the types of shots they were able to generate for him? Yeah, I mean, I think because he is someone that's, like, probably a better finisher from outside, I want to see more, you know, pick and pop kind of situations with Serge Ibaka. Um, but, yeah, he's someone that can hit from inside, mid-range, and outside as well. Um I mean, I think you said it best right there. Um, do you want to talk about Nicholas Batum? I kind of want to talk about Nicholas Batum. Let's do it. I didn't get a chance to ask Ty Lue post game, so I'm going to do it here. Was this one of the better like three point performances? When I say three point, he only scored three points. Just to be fair, Nicholas Batum played 28 minutes in place of an injured Marcus Morris senior who was still out with right knee soreness. There's no timetable on his availability going forward for right now. But Nicholas Batum plays 28 minutes and only scores three points. And I came out of this game just going, holy hell, this guy was actually impactful. Three, he scored three points. He, I think the first, I think the only points he scored came early in the first quarter. And I think that was it. And they were very comfortable having him dribble the ball up the floor and initiate offense. He had six rebounds. He had six assists. The man competed on the glass. He made proper reads and dishes. He really wowed me, oddly enough, as a rim protector, which I never thought in my life I would say. Um, I just was blown away. I don't know how many people were blown away by him, but I was blown away. Now, to be fair, I do not expect this Nicholas Batum every night. There are going to be some very bad nights, but for night one, I think it was a resounding success for not only him, but the team and their belief of him. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think the offensive and defensive versatility of Batum is, is a big thing there. Um, you know, looking back to last season and again, the whole conversation of like being better. Uh, I don't know if Nick Batum is really a better player than someone like Mo Harkless, for example. Um, but the fact that he can rebound, he can move the ball, he can protect the rim, he can get some steals. Uh, he's someone that really is like a jack of all trades for this team. Uh, and while he's not going to be that primary playmaker, the fact that he is such a good ball handler uh, and passer, especially in the perimeter, um, makes him someone that can really help get this offense moving, I think, if they do get stagnant at times. He just he was he never looked rushed. Yeah, that's the one takeaway I had is like he never looked, which I mean, let's be fair. And you and I mentioned this off the air. He mentioned in a presser or media availability uh, several days ago that, you know, he's been playing professional basketball since he was 15, like at a professional level, not just playing basketball, but professional. And, you know, you talk about guys play for 17 years now and seen everything like the game isn't like crazy to him. So for him to not be sped up on a new team going against the world champions on ring night is pretty, pretty good. I thought he held his own defensively. I thought he held his own offensively. I thought he was good. And I think it's a huge boon to the team, especially when Marcus Morris senior returns, because when Morris senior returns, Batum gets slid to the bench and you're able to manage his minutes a little bit better because Patrick Patterson played damn near 20 minutes tonight. And I don't think Patrick Patterson was awful, but I don't want to see 20 minutes of Patrick Patterson. So maybe Nicholas Batum could help there. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Batum, like you just mentioned, he's a high IQ guy, uh, does a little bit of everything, very patient with the ball, um, with that second unit, which I think, you know, if Reggie's going to be out there a lot, which he wasn't tonight, thankfully, um, you're going to need someone that can also carry the ball like that uh, and, and defend on the perimeter as well. Um, so yeah, once Marcus Morris comes back, I think we're going to see, Batum definitely take a reduced role. Um, obviously, we shouldn't expect 30 minutes tonight from him like we did see uh, tonight. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a reserve wing, as someone that gets, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes a night, if he does take like the role that Pat Patterson had tonight, um, you know, I'm fine with that. I think the value he brings um, on, on both ends of the floor, it's going to be hard to replace, especially if he can be consistent in that role. Um, Patrick Beverly plays 22 minutes. He has 10 points, six rebounds, three assists. He would have played more, but he picked up four fouls. Um, Pat was good. I like Pat did all the little things, including he had a stretch of offensive rebounds late, uh, either the third quarter, but I believe it was the middle of the fourth quarter where he had just was going nuts on the offensive glass, which was like, okay, like, yeah, they're winning this game. Then, <laughs> then, you know, Lou Williams looked good offensively. Luke Kennard, I thought looked good. Like he looked hesitant to shoot, but at the same time, I was very impressed with his ability to get in the middle of the lane and create open looks for other people. Um, You mentioned Reggie Jackson, and let's bring this up. He played three minutes and 21 seconds, and that was one entire spurt for him. He took three shots, two threes. He missed all of them. Um, And then Ty Lue just yanked him, just flat out yanked him, sat him for the rest of the game. I don't know if that means anything. I don't know if he just tried to give him some time to like buy minutes for other people, which it could have been the case. Um, it's just really weird to have a head coach who can do that. I was going to say, yeah, that's the beauty of having a head coach that really makes adjustments, right? I mean, you know, going into halftime, I wasn't feeling super confident, and maybe it was just because of what we've seen from this team in the past few years, and especially lately in the postseason with Doc Rivers. Um, but 
you know, after blowing a 22 point lead and having it be a one or two point game, like it was at halftime, I was like, you know, it, it felt very familiar to me. And one of the things I mentioned at the break on Twitter was that, you know, I'm really excited to see what adjustments you make right here, because a, that was one of the big reasons they brought Ty Lue in, in the first place. And he's regarded as being someone that is great at making, uh, adjustments like that on the fly. Um, and one of the issues I felt like was Reggie Jackson in the first half, like, yeah, it was a three minute spurt, but those three minutes were pretty dreadful. Um, which, you know, they usually are when he's on the floor, unfortunately, uh, I like Reggie, but it's just not working, you know? Um, yeah, you're, you're being polite right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So the fact that, you know, a Reggie didn't come back in the second half was a plus. And the fact that the Clippers came out in the third quarter and, um, you know, whatever, wasn't working in the second quarter with the offense, but the ball got a little bit sticky and, and it got more ISO heavy. Like we saw them rely on last season. Um, that all went away and the focus seemed to change and, and go back to being on, you know, playing more team basketball. Um, and it was a very welcome change. It was nice to see the Clippers come out and kind of take control of the game again and, and not, um, you know, let themselves get into their own heads about what's happened in the past. So I looked it up. If you just look at the foursome of, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Luke Kennard, and Lou Williams. I mean, it, it, I'm trying to do quick math here. What is that? 26 plus 18 is 44. Lou took nine, so that's 53 plus six. So those two f- took 59 shots, okay? Only six of those 59 were mid-range shots. That wasn't happening last season. It's beautiful. I mean, even if you just take out Kennard... If you just take out Kennard, like that's not happening from those three guys. So whatever the Clippers did offensively worked. Um, you start looking at it. They took 93 shots. 83 of them were at, in the paint or from three. They got the efficient shots that they needed to get. And this is something that I have tried to drill home to people over the last little while, which is this is a staple of Ty Lue teams. He did this in Cleveland. And I understand he had LeBron James. I fully get it. I understand it. LeBron's one of arguably the greatest passer of all time. He really might be the greatest passer I've ever seen. Um, I understand that. But Ty Lue's offense was able to generate shots at the rim and at three for everyone else. And it was a very efficient offense because of that. And you look at it tonight, you know, even if you go by cleaning the glasses category of long mid-range shots, the Clippers took 12, which is probably on the low end for them compared to last season. Uh, you know, this is counting um, pre-garbage time and stuff. So they, their stats ex- exclude garbage time. So that's why I like to use them. Um, they took 24 shots at the rim. They took 17 short mid-range shots, which is like between the rim and in the paint. So, but those are the shots that, you know, Kawhi and PG and Lou can excel at because they're not true jumpers and you're able to like kind of nift your way into the, into the lane. But you look at their offense, you know, it's like, they generated a ton of threes. 40% of their shots tonight were threes, according to Cleaning the Glass. That's lovely. I like that. Is that going to continue? I don't know. But I like it, and I know that. Yeah, I'd like to say continue. <laughs> I mean, it, very little to not like about the shot profile, I mean, like you mentioned. Um, I'm looking at the stats right now and every player that's on the floor outside of Terrence Mann and, you know, some garbage time players, I'll exclude those, but, um, you know, Zoo didn't take a three, obviously. Um, the only players that took threes and missed were Luke Kennard and Reggie Jackson. Um, those shots are going to fall for Luke Kennard, like you mentioned. I mean, 
yeah, he was a little passive with his shot tonight. And I think it's going to take some time to get that confidence back because it has been a year since he's played. Um, but A, they're getting the right guys taking those shots. They're generating those shots for those players. Um, and they're very efficient hitting those. I think the Clippers are one of the most efficient three-point shooting teams last season. Um, didn't take a whole lot, as many as you'd like them to, um, but they are a very good three-point shooting team. Um, you know, Kawhi's efficient. Paul George is one of the best, you know, volume three-point shooters in the NBA. Patrick Beverly is underrated from that range. Serge Ibaka is a great floor-spacing big. Um, you know, they have the personnel there to make this work. So uh, as long as this continues with Ty Lue, I think they're going to be one of the better three-point shooting teams in the NBA. I mean, yeah, it's hard to disagree with you, to be honest. The most used lineup for the Clippers tonight was their starting lineup, which was Beverly, George, Leonard, Batum, Ibaka. Um, they were plus nine. Um, they were they were great to open each half. So, you know, just kudos to them. The second most used lineup was Kennard, Williams, George, Patterson, Zubots. They were plus eight and shot 69% from the field. They were eight of nine from two. What? <laughs> yeah, I mean, their worst lineup tonight was Kennard, Williams, Leonard, Batum, Abaka. In only two minutes, they were minus seven. But either way, um, I like the lineup choices that Ty Lue made. I mean, yes, I can quibble about Patrick Patterson paying almost 20 minutes. And, you know, I can kind of gripe like, oh, you gave Reggie. I mean, well, granted, it was three minutes, 21 seconds, but you gave Reggie too much time. And I understand that. I also want to hammer home to people. This is a long season and you're going to get nights like this where Patrick Patterson plays almost 20 minutes. Reggie Jackson plays almost 20 minutes. You know, it's going to happen because Kawhi Leonard is going to be out on second night of back-to-backs or first night on some of them. You know, um, Patrick Beverly's going to have foul trouble. Lou Williams is going to have foul trouble or not be shooting well. You know, maybe there's a night Terrence Mann gets 15 minutes. But you can look at a night like this, a night that was emotional for the team that they were facing, and they put it on them. For a large portion of this game, the Clippers put it on them. And they were the better team from beginning to end. And I understand the Lakers look dog tired at the end of this game. They last played a game competitively 71 days ago. And I understand it. And like, this is LeBron's technically NADs, like technically their third game of the year, if you count preseason. So I get it. I hundred percent get it. But the Clippers won this game more than the Lakers lost it. The Clippers took, took them, took it by the horns and they drove it into the ground. And the only thing I would have liked to see was more free throws for the Clippers. That's not to say like the referees are bad. I don't want people to think that, but I wish the Clippers had got to the line more, but then I look at it, It's like they took 43 paint shots and they made 25 of them. Like, what am I going to gripe with? They got 50 points in the paint. They made 14 threes. You're going to win those games. So is there anything in this game that you looked at that you weren't happy with? Yeah, things I didn't like. I mean, uh, the turnovers were high, but that's nitpicky. I mean, it's, it's you know, the first game of the regular season, they just played three preseason games, and, um, you know, the starters weren't really there for most of that. So it's hard to complain about that. It's also, you know, a new team, new players, new coaching staff. Um, quick turnaround with the offseason as well. So that's going to happen. Um, there's also the issue of Patrick Beverly and his fouls. Um, he is one of the more foul-prone players in the NBA, especially this position. He picked up four tonight in 22 minutes and kind of limited how much time he spent on the floor um, and how much an impact he made. He was still you know, pretty solid tonight. He had 10 points, six rebounds, um, was a plus 10, plus minus. But 
those are things you'd like to see them clean up over time, but nothing that's too pressing right now that makes you really be all that concerned about where this team is heading. How about you? Well, it's interesting you brought up turnovers because the turnovers really killed them in the first half, specifically the second quarter. So the first quarter, they had five turnovers. Second quarter, they had seven. The thing I didn't realize until just now looking at this box score, they had four turnovers in the entire second half. That's crazy. If you're taking care of the, that's the other thing, too. Like, if you take care of the ball, you're giving yourself a chance every night. And I almost wonder if that was like them getting back into the offensive rhythm. Cause did you notice there wasn't like an offensive lull um, in the second half? Like there was in the first half. Cause like from the end of the first quarter to like almost like the four minute mark of the second quarter, the Clippers barely scored. Yeah. God, I and think were, it was what the first eight minutes of the second quarter, the teams combined for like 11 points. Like it was it was bad. Well, yeah, it was bad. And the Clippers were turning the ball over like crazy. And, you know, they just cut it out in the second half. And if you like, this is, this is the thing too. Like if you cut out turnovers pretty much, you limit the other team's chances of getting easy baskets in transition. And just based on sheer volume of having the ball to shoot more, you're liable to score more points than you otherwise would. So, like, you look at the second half, they scored 60 points. Like, yes, they gave up 55. The Lakers made 51% of their shots in the second half. But they also kept the Lakers off the free throw line in the second half. The Lakers only took one more free throw in the, in the second half compared to the Clippers. The Clippers attempted seven more threes and made uh, three more of them. The Clippers had seven more field goal attempts, primarily because they had three more offensive rebounds and things like that. You know, and because the, the Lakers also had eight turnovers of the Clippers four. So you look at all these things, it's like the Clippers won the game. Yes, because Paul George went crazy at the end of the third quarter and then the early fourth. But they also just like their offense looked good. Guys looked comfortable. There was no like people didn't look rushed. People looked aggressive, but still made the right decisions. And that's all you can ask for. If there's anything I didn't like, um, man, I, I kind of, if I'm being honest, I didn't like the perimeter defense. Um, I thought Surge, and this is, I've talked about this before. Um, Surge at the point of attack is not good. And so against like LeBron and AD, if they actually try to face up and go at them, it's a little bit of a problem. But it wasn't just him. Like Kawhi got beat a couple times, which it happens. It's early season. Like I'm not expecting people to come in here like world-class defenders, like right off the bat, you know, but it is what it is. Um, They won. Even if they lost, like imagine, okay. Imagine if they played as they did tonight, but the Lakers beat them. I'd still be fine because I would have seen things that gave me encouragement and optimism. And that's how I feel like you and I have talked about this before. And we've saw, we saw it in preseason, like even the first preseason game, which they lost, they lost all three preseason games, but in like the first preseason game or two, like they actually looked happy. Like they looked like they were like actually enjoying one another. They don't look miserable right now, which I mean, no one ever looks miserable after a win, but you know, I mean, who knows? We'll see how long this lasts, but for at least one night, I do think that things were different for the Clippers. And I don't know how much of that is Ty Lue. I don't know how much of that is personnel changes. I don't know, but you take them how you get them. And tonight they got it. 
I will say too, one of the big things for me that um, I think kind of surprised me is, I don't know if it was just me. I don't know if you had thought this way as well, but I really had low expectations for this game tonight and for the first several games in the Clippers schedule this season, just because um, they were playing some of the better teams, the NBA and the Lakers and the Mavericks and the Nuggets. Uh, and these were teams that did have, you know, some turnover with the roster, but um, for the most part, these were the same teams we saw last season. And the Clippers, I think, had the most significant change um, with the whole coaching staff basically being gutted and um, some pretty significant, uh, you know, personnel changes in the roster as well. Um, and so, you know, the Clippers definitely weren't all there tonight. And they don't, they're not like totally connected yet. Um, and, and maybe this is me relying on preseason too much, which I know you should never do, but um yeah, I was just surprised by how sharp they looked at times. Like you said, four turnovers in the second half. Um, their late game execution, I think, was really surprising to me and also very, um, I don't want to say inspiring, but just like very positive thing to rely on moving forward that they can close out games like this, uh, you know, this early on uh, in Tyler and Tyler Lewis' uh, tenure with this team. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they – deal with Denver on Christmas. I mean, I guess that'll be another test that they're going to have to try to deal with, you know, um, especially without Marcus, who's liable to not play just based on how early they announced him as out for this game. Um, one last thing I want to touch on. Ty Lu perfectly staggered Kawhi Leonard and Paul George tonight. Um, they spent 23 minutes on the floor together. We're plus nine. Um, 11 minutes of Kawhi without PG and 13 minutes of PG without Kawhi. They spent one minute off the floor together and that was the end of the game. So I guess I would just say Ty Lu, you pass game one with flying colors, buddy. Even if you would have lost, you pass game one with flying colors just for staggering them properly, which to be fair to Doc Rivers, he did it in the postseason, but he didn't really do it all that much in the regular season. And you have to build postseason habits in the regular season so this bodes well for me mentally should bode well for the fan base mentally and just should ease some of the concerns about whether or not the team could actually stagger them because buddy it looks like Ty Lue already knows how to do that and that's a that's a big freaking deal so with that said Garrett is there anything else you want to talk about from this game Nothing else I can think of here. I guess just overall, it was an impressive effort. Not one that I particularly expected, but uh, was very happy to see. By the way, credit to Farbod. Um, you haven't listened to the podcast yet, but in the one that dropped this morning, he picked the Clippers by seven. Very impressive. Yeah, I thought the Lakers were going to win by 12. So yeah. there was there was my confidence level right there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, credit to Farbod. It's the last time I've ever, he's not here. So I can actually say that credit to Farbod. If he was here, I would actually just not ever bring it up. So, you know, credit to him. Um, look, it's night one in the NBA. It's going to be a long season. It's a pro Ty Lue has mentioned. It's a process about 30 friggin' times. Uh, so don't get too high. Don't get too low. You know, this is day one. We don't know what the future holds for the team or for any of us really. So, you know, just take it day by day. The Clippers won. They're 1-0. and You'd rather start the season with a win than a loss, but it's on to Denver for Christmas night. Um, we'll see what happens. Maybe they get some revenge. Maybe, as Patrick Beverly said, they'll get their lick back. I don't know. Um, Gary, you got anything else? Um, I don't. 
talkative. That's my guy. Um, <laughs> where can people where can people find you and read your work? Yeah, so I am a Clippers writer for Sports Illustrated, like Justin mentioned. Uh, the URL for that site is si.com slash NBA slash Clippers. That's where all my coverage is, as well as Farbods. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at G-A Corpenning. That's G-A-C-H-O-R-P-E-N-N-I-N-G. <sighs> I'm going to have to have you on again because I like you so much better than Farbod. I'm cool with that. Yeah, that's what's up. We're replacing them right now. Um People will be back. Farbot and I will be back sometime. Um, if not later this week, then early next week. Uh, I got to check with him about his schedule. Um, everybody, you know, uh, first off, happy holidays. This is the holiday season. Uh, happy holidays to everybody, to you and yours. Um, stay safe. Wash your hands. Social distance. Uh, call a loved one and tell, you, tell them you love them. Um, you know, just stay safe and, you know, happy holidays to everybody. Uh, we'll see you guys another time. Everybody take it easy. Garrett, say goodbye to the good people. Goodbye, good people.